I'm sure glad I ate my Cheerios today. Woo! <laughs> Welcome everyone to this portion of the service where we are going to receive the sermon of the morning. It is my pleasure to introduce and yes, to introduce our speaker this morning, our senior pastor is away, and we would like to welcome to the pulpit our own amazing Brother Danny Tao. So let's receive him. Amen. Good morning, PT. How are you doing? Great. It's going to be a tough act to follow, the girls' brigade, you know? Oh, yes. So Sunday school and GC is now dismissed. So you may go now. Company dismissed. So I uh, just want to acknowledge Bishop Brian and Lady Carmen. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak again this morning. Uh, I've got uh, what I feel like is a, a great word from God that I want to share with everyone here. Let me just start by sharing a story. So we're going to go back in time. All right. And I am a high school senior and I'm graduating. It's my graduation ceremony. And my graduation uh, day and night was one of the most memorable times of my high school life. And I was the graduation speaker, and that was a wonderful experience. And then afterwards, we all went home, and we got changed, we got ready, and we all came back to school because our school had worked with all the high school senior parents to throw the most epic, epic graduation all-night party. It was amazing. And so we arrived, we walked into the gym, and it had been completely transformed. There was a banquet table with all this food, all this drink. There was, they turned it into a casino and there were games and there was a photo booth. And then when you walked out into the quad area, someone, I'm sure many of the parents had built a, a, a whole mini golf course in the entire quad area. And even down, the details were down to the bathroom. When we went to the bathroom, the, the art teacher and all the parents uh, had painted these beautiful landscape murals that they wallpapered the bathrooms and the hallways with this amazing artwork. And it was awesome just being able to be with our friends and spending the whole evening that way. And we left, they gave us all this swag. And to this day, I still have that laundry bag that says Homestead High School up, up and away, right? And so I used that for many, many, many years. And so it was a night to remember. It was one of the most amazing nights of my high school life. And you know what? After it was all over, I never thanked a single person for that evening. And many years later, I was in my 30s, and uh, I was planning my own event. And there's nothing like planning your own event to realize how much work an event takes. And as I was planning the event, all of a sudden, I had this flashback of being in high school and this huge event that uh, the school had thrown for me. And it was like this huge light bulb just went off in my head. And all of a sudden I just realized, wow, that, that was a lot of work. I mean, all those 
parents had volunteered all that time and all the, the energy and money it must have taken to throw that party together. And all those parents, I mean, they stayed up all night long helping to run that party. I mean, when you're a high school student and an all-nighter is nothing, but when you're a parent of a high school student, which I am now, then all of a sudden it's, uh, it's, it's pretty daunting to, to think about staying up all night, right? And so um, as a teenager, I realized that I had completely taken that night for granted. Right? I just assumed that this was something that every single year happened, and as a senior, I deserved to get this experience, and, um, and I was just really very entitled about the whole thing. And when I look back on it, I'm really saddened by my lack of gratitude at that age, not only because I never really showed anyone any appreciation for that amazing evening, but also because I really feel like I missed out on something that God had for me. Uh, he could have given me something pretty amazing through my gratitude, which we're going to talk about today. And this story that I shared, it actually reminds me of another story in the Bible. There's a story in Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19, and this is the story when Jesus heals the ten lepers. Follow along with me, if you will. So this is what Luke says. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, this is sort of the, the border region between Samaria and Galilee. And if you remember your history, the Samaritans and the Jews hate each other. They don't get along at all. And, uh, and so as he's traveling through this region, it's probably going to be a mixed race region. There's going to be Jews and Samaritans. And this is important because Samaritans are like the mortal enemy of the Jews, right? And so that's why the story of the Good Samaritan is such a powerful story because it's the Samaritan is the only one who actually stops to help the Jew who's been beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road. So it's an important detail. We'll come back to it later. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So leprosy, as you know, is this terrible skin disease. It's, it just completely disfigures you. You can die from it. It was incurable back then. In fact, there were these Jewish laws that stated that if you had leprosy, then you couldn't really be in communion with God or with other people. And over time, there were some allowances. You know, even in Leviticus, it said that if you had leprosy, that you had to wear torn clothes, you couldn't cut your hair, you had to wear a mask over your mouth, you had to socially distance yourself, and you had to yell, unclean, unclean, which was basically me during COVID. But, you know, COVID, you know, compared to leprosy, it's, not, <laughs> it's nothing compared to leprosy. Uh, but it was pretty serious. And if you were to be healed from leprosy, this was the equivalent of maybe like being raised from the dead, right? Because it just never happened. It, was, it would be a, an amazing miracle. So they say, have mercy on us. And, this is, and when Jesus saw them, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was the Samaritan. So, interesting thing. So the person least likely to thank Jesus and to thank a Jew is the one who actually comes back to show any gratitude. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
So what's especially noteworthy here is that Jesus heals all ten of the people, uh, but only the Samaritan comes back, and he commends the Samaritan, and he pronounces a blessing on the Samaritan that the other nine do not receive. When Jesus says, your faith has made you well, when we translate that, the Greek translation for that phrase is sozo. And that means to be made whole or to be saved. And so while all 10 lepers do receive healing, it's really the only the one Samaritan because he actually expressed his gratitude that he received something even greater. He received eternal life with God. He received salvation, right? And that's amazing to me because what that tells me is that there's power there's power in expressing our gratitude and our praise to God. And when we do give God our thanks and our praise, it allows him to release even more blessing into our lives. And who doesn't want that, right? Amen? So back in the fall, I preached a sermon called uh, 3D Gratitude. And so today's is 3D Gratitude Part 2. And in my first sermon in the fall in, in uh, 3D Gratitude, a little recap, uh, I talked about something called spiritual amnesia. And that's when God does these amazing things in our lives. But we have the spiritual amnesia where we just forget all the great things that God has done for us. And so uh, as soon as something amazing happens, it's amazing how even that same day later on, we might completely forget what happens. It's like when you go home and uh, someone says, oh, how was your day? And you're like, oh, gosh, I, I don't remember what I did that day, right? We just have the spiritual amnesia. The most amazing thing could have happened, and we forget about all the good things that God has done for us. And especially if we find ourselves in a jam, right? If we're in another difficult circumstance, sometimes we forget what God has done to deliver us from that difficult situation the previous time. But when we praise and thank God, when we give him our thanks, that helps us to overcome our spiritual amnesia. And it really blesses us along three dimensions. And we had talked about these three dimensions in the fall. I'm going to recap. And so the three dimensions are that God blesses us in our past, in our present, in our future. So, when we praise and thank God, number one, it helps us to remember God's past goodness. So praising God helps us to remember God's past goodness. Number two, it brings us peace as we praise Him in the present. It brings us peace in the present. And number three, it realigns our perspective, God's perspective, about our future. So real quick, let's go through each three of them. Uh, so the first one, in terms of remembering God's past goodness, gratitude helps us remember what God has done for us in our past. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. In the midst of my pain and struggles, when I praise and thank God, it activates my memory. So the act of praising God can activate my memory for what God has done for me in my past. And we can remember how God has delivered us from past hurts, past experiences, past relationships, maybe even life near-death experiences, right? So it helps us to remember God's past goodness. Number two, when we praise and thank God, it brings us peace in the present. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's easy to praise God for what he's done in the past, 
And it's easy to praise God when we can just sort of hold on to his promises for our future. But as Kia said, sometimes we forget to praise him in the middle. And we can't forget to praise him in the middle. And so when we are uh, pressed into praise and thanksgiving, especially in the midst of whatever pain or suffering or trial or tribulation we are going through, then that helps God to be able to release his presence into our present situation, right? So Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Who doesn't want that, right? Amen? <laughs> Number three, it realigns our perspective with God's about our future. So when we praise and thank God, we can realign what God wants for us for our future. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when we express gratitude to God, especially in the midst of difficult circumstances, it's actually an act of worship. It's an act of worship that says, I trust you, God. You've got this in control. And no matter what happens, you're in control. And even if I am suffering or there is pain, there is purpose in that pain, that you're going to use that pain for something purposeful, right? There is purpose. No pain goes um, unused. So that's what we talked about. We talked about the three dimensions of gratitude, our past, our present, our future. And these dimensions really help us to see why we need to thank God. And today I want to continue. I want to talk about how. How can we actually be thankful to God? How can we actually um, receive gratitude in its fullness? And there's actually three dimensions. Again, 3D, part two. So today we're going to talk about the three dimensions. And here's our gratitude formula. And in order for us to fully be grateful, we actually have to touch on each of these three dimensions. It's really important. We can't just have two out of the three. We have to have all three. And this is the formula. Gratitude is equal to seeing the gift plus receiving the gift plus passing on the gift. So we have to be able to see the gift, we have to be able to receive the gift, and we've got to be able to pass on the gift. So let's talk about seeing the gift. So if we want to live a life of gratitude, we have to cultivate both attention and intention in our lives. And the reason I say this is because at the heart of gratitude is this recognition that anything good inherently comes from outside of ourselves, right? It's not about us. It's about other people. It requires that we pay attention to how God or other people are actually depositing gifts into our lives. And this requires intentionality, right? We have to be intentional about paying attention and also in thanking others for those gifts. So we have to practice both attention and intention in order for gratitude to happen. If I had been more intentional about paying attention when I was a high school senior, right? When I was at that graduation party many years ago, I definitely would have been more tuned into, wow, 
this is really an amazing experience. And look at all the people that helped to make this happen. And I really want to be thankful to those people, right? But I had to have been more uh, attentive, right? As well as intentive. Um, some of you who know me know that I went to Harvard for graduate school. And I could easily say, hey, you know what? I went to Harvard. So I must have gotten to Harvard because I'm all that, right? I'm so smart. I got into Harvard. Well, I'm a little smart. I mean, okay. But, <laughs> but really, you know, it's not about how smart I am, right? I didn't necessarily deserve to go to Harvard. I wasn't entitled to, necessarily. More likely, it took a lot of people, as well as God, in my life in order for me to get into Harvard, right? I couldn't have gotten into Harvard, really, no matter how smart I am. So my, heart, my journey to Harvard required that uh, I had parents, you know, to start off, we had parents who actually valued education, who actually provided the educational and financial needs that I had growing up, right? It required having uh, uh, teachers and professors who spoke in my life over the years, who guided me, who taught me, who mentored me, who supported me, who wrote letters of recommendation for me, right? It required friends who were really supportive along the way my whole entire life, and ultimately required God. It required God to give me that vision for why I wanted to go to Harvard in the first place. What was I going to do with a degree from Harvard? I really needed God to give me that vision for why I should apply. And God really had to open that door, because no matter how smart you are, you know, it's not a guarantee you're going to get into Harvard, right? So God was the one who opened that door for me. One great way to pay attention is what Bishop Brian uh, likes to call his Jehovah's Sneaky List, right? <laughs> I like to call it sort of a gratitude journal. And this is a great way of being intentional as well as trying to pay attention by recording all the things that God or others have done for you each day. And this journal or list is really great because, I mean, we know that, like I said, you know, it's so easy to just quickly forget all the good things that God has done. And so whenever something good happens, write it down. Write it down because when you write it down, then all the busyness or cares of the world or the worries, it won't just make all of your memories disappear like that. It helps to avoid that spiritual amnesia. All right, so receiving the gift is number two. <clears throat> receiving the gift. Now the next dimension is learning how to receive a gift properly. And we can't be thankful for a gift unless we can fully receive it. And that might seem really odd. And so I'm going to take some time to unpack this. But it might seem really odd to say, like, how can I not fully receive a gift? Well, let me, let me give you an illustration. So I'm Chinese, if you didn't know, Chinese-American. And when I was growing up, there's a thing that happens when Chinese families go out to eat, especially with other Chinese families. And at the end of the meal, you always have to do this dance. You're jockeying around to see who's going to pay the bill. Because everyone, you have to pay the bill, and you can't allow the other person to pay the bill. And I've got a little video I want to share with you. And this is kind of what my life was like growing up, if we can cue the video. <laughs> so that was my life growing up, you know. Now, if you think that's bad, 
how many of you guys have a Korean friend? Or maybe you're Korean here, anyone? <laughs> All right, so let me tell you about Koreans. They take this competition to a whole nother violent level. So I have a friend growing up in, uh, I grew up in California, and one of my closest best friends is Korean. And um, when we go visit California and we're close to him and his family, we always have dinner or lunch together, we catch up. But every time we go out, he will not let us pay the bill. I mean, it is, it is just really hard to pay the bill because he's always grabbing the bill or making some excuse why he has to pay the bill. And so this past time we went to go see him, Deidre and I, my wife Deidre and I, we were, we were like, okay, we're gonna pay the bill. This time we're gonna, this, the bill's gonna be ours. And so we got to the restaurant. It was this really lovely deli restaurant. They had all these amazing pastrami sandwiches. The kids loved it, we loved it. But when we got there ahead of time, uh, Deidre gave the waitress our credit card and said, okay, just, just pay the bill and just bring it to us, we'll sign it. And so we had this lovely lunch and then at the end of lunch, the, the waitress comes up to Deidre and she, you know, she's like really sheepish and she goes, I'm so sorry, but at this restaurant, you have to take the bill up to the front and pay at the cashier at the front. And so Deidre starts getting up and my friend's wife grabs her arm and starts to twist her arm. <laughs> and her daughter says, mom, Auntie Deidre's arm is turning red. <laughs> and so I grab the bill and I start running for the, for, the, for the cashier. Now you have to understand that when I was growing up, we wrestled, that was our sport. So my friend and I wrestled. So he like hip throws me, you know, arm, you know, arm bar, half Nelson. He's like, he grabs the bill and he starts running to pay the bill. And the whole restaurant is just frozen watching us <laughs> because we're on the ground wrestling for the bill. So yeah, Koreans are intense, man. Now, I guess it's important to say, for if you don't understand Asian culture, like this is a thing, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sign of, a gesture of kindness and love and honor, and sometimes it, it's even sort of a way of saving face, because you don't want to lose honor in front of the other person, and there's all these sort of unwritten sort of rules of engagement, of, so not everyone's always paying all the time, although sometimes it, it is, depending on who you are, but the point I want to make from these stories is that I really want to explore what's going on inside of ourselves, what's going on in our hearts, that makes it so hard and awkward to receive a gift when someone wants to give us a gift, right? Are you guys tracking with me? It can be really hard to receive a gift. And for most people, and actually this is, research has actually shown this, we're actually wired to reciprocate. It is really hard for us to receive something without feeling like we have to give something back, right? We just don't want to feel like we owe anything to anyone, right? That's, that's just the way we want, we, you know? And especially, it's hard if someone has given us a really generous gift, right? Because then it feels like, whoa, this is like unequal here in terms of the gift that you gave me, right? So it makes us feel really awkward or embarrassed because we didn't do the same thing for the other person, right? And, um, and some, maybe it might be if they gave us this really generous gift, Maybe we don't even have the resources to be able to reciprocate in the same way, right? Or maybe it just makes us feel less than, like we're inferior to the other person. So there's all these emotions that swirl around when we get a gift sometimes. So recently, uh, Deidre and I, we went out to dinner. There's a lot of dinner stories. Um, there was uh, another young couple. We were at a nice Japanese restaurant, <clears throat> lovely meal. A young couple was sitting next to us. And after the meal, 
Deidre just started, you know, striking up a conversation as we were waiting for the checks and everything, and we were just chit-chatting with them. Lovely couple, lovely conversation, nothing too deep. It was just chit-chat. It was lovely. And then they left, and we, we flagged the waitress down. We said, hey, we'd love to order some dessert. And the waitress said, well, if you want to order dessert, I have to start a new bill for you because that couple that left just paid for your bill. And we just looked at each other dumbstruck because no stranger had ever done anything like that before for us. That was the most generous thing that a stranger had ever done for us. And we were just looking at each other. And there were a lot of emotions that were going through my mind and my heart at that moment, right? And so um, one layer was just the complete surprise and excitement that someone had just done something so generous for us. Another layer was definitely guilt, because I sure didn't think about doing that for that couple. <laughs> and uh, does that mean that I'm a bad person? Does that mean that they're better than me? You know, so all these emotions were going through my mind. Then there was this feeling of indebtedness, right? Oh, I remember. They said they live in the North End. Okay, so we're going to go to the North End. In fact, tomorrow we're going to go to the North End. We're going to try to find this couple. And if we run into this couple, I'm going to insist we go out to dinner and I'm going to pay, right? Because we, I just feel like we had to pay them back. And so... And then I realized, you know what? I'm probably never going to see this couple again. And that's when there was this feeling of joy, right? Joy in receiving that gift because it was a gesture of kindness and generosity that that couple wanted to give to us with no strings attached. They didn't expect to see us again. There was no expectation of receiving anything in return. And it can be a very humbling yet wonderful experience when we can just sit and soak, right, in that generosity, in that joy of receiving something, and when we can fully appreciate the goodness of the person who gave us that gift, right? In a lot of ways, it's the same feelings that we might have about God and the gifts that he gives for us, particularly the gift of eternal life, right? So Ephesians 2.8 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so no one can boast. Not by works. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. Salvation is a gift freely given to us. Not because we deserve it, but because God loves us and God is a good God. And all we have to do is say yes to receiving that gift from Jesus. And there's no amount of work that we can do to earn salvation. There's not uh, a balance of scales of the good things and bad things we've done in life. In fact, Christianity might be the only religion that doesn't actually require us to, to work for salvation. And once we receive God's gift of salvation, there's no way we can pay it back, right? Because you can't possibly pay back a gift of that magnitude. And even if you could pay it back, then it wouldn't be a gift, right? Because if you pay it back, it's not a gift. So I think the point of the passage and the point of the story is that it's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about me, right? It's about the giver. It's about God. And it's about how good God is or how good the giver of that gift is, right? So in order to fully receive a gift, we have to fully recognize the goodness of the giver. When we can internalize in our hearts how good that giver is and how good that gift is with no strings attached, 
then we can fully embrace the magnitude of that gift, and then, and only then, can we fully express our gratitude to God or to others, right? Does that make sense? We have to be able to fully receive the gift, right? So number three, the last dimension of gratitude is passing on the gift. Now, there's a spiritual truth that says that a blessing passed on is a blessing fully received, right? So a blessing not passed on is a blessing not fully received, right? So when we can fully receive the gift, it's not about feeling obligated or indebted to pay that gift back, but it's about feeling so thankful and filled and overfilled with joy that we want to pass on that blessing to others so that other people can experience the same goodness that we've experienced. Gratitude always leads to generosity, never hoarding. Gratitude always leads to generosity, never hoarding. If we're hoarding, that's a sign of entitlement. It's a sign that I deserve to receive this, and so I'm going to keep it, right? But gratitude always leads to us wanting to give something back, right? So at my graduation party, <clears throat> I didn't even think to thank anyone because I was a teenager, and I had that sense of entitlement, right? And so I wasn't going to be thankful to anyone because I wasn't in that space to really be grateful. And really, it was only when I started to develop an attitude of gratitude when I got to college that all of a sudden, that began to open my life up to finding purpose and meaning in serving other people. When I was a freshman in college, I started reflecting on all the, the, the people that had really been meaningful in my life. And there was one uh, church youth group leader. His name is Graham. And he... Uh, really was influential in my life in many, many, many different ways and in a time in my life when I was just trying to figure a lot of stuff out. And I was so grateful for the way that he uh, was in my life and spoke in my life. I thought, you know what? I'm going to just bless him. I want to write a letter to him. So I wrote this really long letter outlining all the things that he did that really blessed my life. And I sent it off to him. And to my surprise, actually, a few weeks later, I got a letter back from him. And he said, you know what, Danny? I was at a really low point in my life. And I was really doubting all the years that I had spent volunteering as a youth group leader at church, whether or not it was worth it, whether I had any impact. And when I received your letter, it was like an affirmation that everything that I had done, all the time I had spent, was worth it. So thank you so much for showing me that God was using me. And I just so felt so blessed to receive that letter from him. You see, and do you see how this was like a virtuous cycle? How he had blessed me in high school, and then as an adult, I could bless him, and then he blessed me, and that's the way generosity and gratitude should be, right? When, when things are going the way God wants it to go, we are grateful and we are generous, and it creates this cycle of goodness in our world, right? In fact, that's why in Ephesians, the, the verse we just read, it doesn't end with just by saying that it is a gift from God. Ephesians 10 goes on to say this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is by design. God designed us so that when we're so filled with grace, with his gifts, that we can't help but let our grace overflow to others. And this is God's creation. We were created to be a blessing to others, to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do, but only after we
can receive all the gifts that God has given us, can we then choose He was serving out of a sense of gratitude because he was so blessed that he wanted to pass on that blessing to other people to make sure other people had what he received. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So I want to leave you with three tips to work on this week. You know, try them. Let's just, let's collectively try these tips, myself included, because I struggle with this just as much as everyone else. So let's all try these three things. And let's see if our life feels any different, if our life gets any better, right? Psalm 34 says, taste and see the Lord is good. So let's try tasting this together and see if it works, all right? And so the first thing we can try to do is keep a gratitude journal or a Jehovah sneaky list. Try to write down one gift that you've received every day this week, all right? So just one gift. It doesn't have to be a million things, just one thing. Can you think of one thing? And make sure that you attribute it to someone or to God, right? So don't just be thankful for something make sure that you know exactly who gave you that gift, right? Because that's important. We want to acknowledge the goodness of the giver. Okay, number two, take time to soak in that gift. Just take a minute to really think about that gift and how awesome that gift is and how awesome the giver of that gift is. And you might want to write a thank you note or tell that person in person how, much you are, how thankful you are for the gift that you've been given. And then number three, if you feel, if you feel especially blessed, Find some way to pass on a blessing to someone else this week, all right? Maybe that's paying for some stranger's coffee, just like, you know, we got that treat from, from those strangers. Maybe leave an extra large tip for your server. Maybe donate to a charity that's meaningful to you. Maybe watch someone's kid or children so that they can have a date or have time for themselves. Uh, or maybe like my friend Graham, just take the time to write an encouraging note and see what it yields, right? I guarantee you, if we pass on the blessing, we're going to see some pretty amazing things happen this week. So take the time. Try to find one thing you can do this week. But whatever you do this week, as you practice seeing the gift, as you practice receiving the gift, and as you practice passing on the gift, my prayer is that your heart and your countenance reflects the grace of God this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for the good gifts you've given us. Thank you so much for your generosity, your kindness, your love. Please bless us to be attentive and attentive in seeing all the gifts you've given us. We praise you for all you've done in our past. We praise you today no matter the circumstances. We praise you that you're working everything out for the good of those who love you according to your purposes. Lord, may we see your gifts, may we fully receive your gifts, and may we pass on your gifts to others today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, PT. Praise God. Praise God for the sermon this morning. Wasn't that awesome? That was awesome. Thank you, Brother Danny. Yes, this week, let us all strive 
to practice gratitude. Seeing it, receiving it, and passing it on. Amen? Let us all stand at this time. And as you know, we usually do not close the service um, with a prayer. We close it with a blessing. And so I'm going to ask you to extend your hands as you are blessed out. May the Lord bless you and protect you, look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you. And may the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, and side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, his success, and remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you all this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone say, I receive that blessing also. Go in the strength and the peace of the Lord. Amen.